Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Good evening. Thanks for tuning in to our study of the book of Matthew. I'm here with Curtis and Nick, and we've been working through for several weeks through the text of this magnificent gospel, trying to better understand Jesus as the Messiah, trying to be motivated to bear fruit for him. And now we're in a section of the text where the main emphasis seems to be on being prepared. We left off last week. We finished up chapter 24. And chapter 24 has a lot of discussion about the tribulation, the coming destruction of Jerusalem, and then also the one day Jesus coming again. And ultimately, we just need to be ready for that event. Uh, what stood out to you guys for the, that last chapter that we need to remind our, our listeners of before we get into chapter 25 tonight? I think the, the emphasis on, too, that the culture surrounding what Jesus is saying, you know, is for Jesus to say that the temple is going to be destroyed is, like, not something yeah. that people say. They think the temple is going to reign forever. They think the Messiah is going to come back and be this, you know, this king over 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 the Jews, over you know, to be a, a reigning nation, and so when he says stuff like this, you gotta imagine that it was a shock to them to hear something like this. Well, you know, if the temple's gonna be destroyed, then I need to be ready. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is gonna be happening, I gotta be ready to be on the move. I gotta be ready to take my next step, take the next action. Um, so again, I I think the culture surrounding. So to us, yeah. that might not be such a huge thing, but to a Jewish person, yeah. that's the end of the I mean, world. We, we look at it, you know, I mean, we look at it, we get other things from it. Um, but to a Jew, this speaks directly, you know, this is kind of, you know, if you're a Jew, it is kind of offensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Curtis, you brought up something about, too, that by the temple ending and Jerusalem being destroyed also was necessary for what? It's for the Jewish system to to gone away with so that Jesus' reign can be uncontested yeah almost because as long as in what nick has pointed out multiple times as long as the temple's there the jewish system of worship remains intact yeah now we got to get rid of it and they're competing forces yeah they are yeah they are and now that's why we're under the new testament now we don't follow the old covenant we're not part of physical israel we're spiritual israel and all that but yeah that whole system came to its final fruition and ended it's done now it's time for New wine, new wineskins kind of thing, and not not the old anymore. Well, let's pick up then chapter 25 and verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, a few things here first off. He says, the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about that quite a bit for since, I don't know, May, and <laughs> trying to comprehend what the kingdom of heaven is. My gut reaction always is it, it's a general statement for God's way, his reign, his rule, his path, his, all of that. Because you can't make this passage here out just to be about heaven itself. And it can't necessarily just be about the church. I think it's a little bit broad. But do you guys have anything to say on that? Well, it, it, it's interesting because, I mean, the, the parables that we're going to see here in chapter 25 have a direct connection to the parables we see in chapter 13, which is also when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like, and we're going to see a lot of language um, similarities between the parables at that time. Um, but what the point that Jesus makes in chapter twenty-five goes back to the not knowing when that day or hour yeah. is going to happen, and the need to be prepared in advance. Because as we look through all these parables, 
um, the, the common thread, even going back to this, this, this uh, faithful servant that we talked about last week, is that they do not know when the master, when the bridegroom are going to be coming back. And so there's a need to be prepared knowing that he will come back. We just don't know when. So always be ready. Right. Yeah. This is the why, you know, these last two parables are the why of what he's just said. Yeah. Right. So why should we be ready? Well, you're telling me all these things. Why do I need to be ready? Well, let me illustrate it you with you with this parable that is describing yeah. the kingdom of heaven. You don't know when right. it's going to happen, but you yeah. know it will happen, so be ready. Right. Uh, every time I'm about to take a road trip in, in my car, I always, because I don't, I don't always have the best cars, but I always make sure I got a tool bag in the back. Mm-hmm. I got tools to change a tire. I got a compressor in there. I have a tire patch kit. Maybe I go a little bit overboard. I got a tow rope. I got all those kinds of things. But but I'm prepared because I know one day that car is going to break down. It's older. It's 16 years old. It's got almost 200,000 miles. It's not when, or I don't know when, but I know it will. One day I need to be ready. We don't know when Jesus is going to return, but we have to constantly be in that state of readiness. So he compares this to a parable here of these 10, it says, my text says virgins, yours might say maidens. It's the idea of unmarried young ladies, okay, is the idea. And these young maidens, the kingdom of heaven is compared to them, and they're going out to meet the bridegroom. So you have the bridegroom showing up, showing up, and you have these 10 young maidens. And in verse 2, it says that five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. Okay, Nick, is this endorsing polygamy? This man's going to marry 10 women? Told you I was going to throw you a random yeah, question out. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> you, don't make me explain. I'm just kidding. Curtis, do you have, is this man, is the parable supporting polygamy here? No, and I think that would be taken way out of context if we attempt to pull that. I am. I just, I, I told you guys to throw you for a loophole. And first off, these aren't all marrying the groom. Most likely, these are like bridesmaids kind of thing. These would be the, in a wedding processional, they're going to be walking with their lamps and their candles and making a, a scene as they're going. I just thought I'd wake you guys up tonight. But so five of these um, young maidens were foolish and five were prudent. Why? Verse three, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil in their flasks along with their lamps. So all of them had lamps. And if I understand correctly, the lamps would kind of be like these little like genie lamp type things with a wick in them. They didn't hold a lot of oil. So once that oil's gone, you had to refill them. So smart young ladies would have extra oil. Right? I mean, that's the kind of way I, I understand this. They're prepared. But it says, now when the bridegroom was delaying, for some reason he's late, um, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will be enough for us. There will not be enough for us. And you two go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And when they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert, for you do not know the day nor the hour. There's that key to this whole thing, right? You do not know the day nor the hour. And he's already said this before, like in chapter 24, verse 44, and kind of the whole gist of the whole section. So let's break this down a little bit. He had these 10 maidens. Ultimately, they should have had their lamps and extra oil. The groom shows up, which who do we assume the groom is in this parable? Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus. I mean, even later on, they're calling him Lord in that idea. But so Jesus shows up. Five of them were ready for Jesus to come. 
It doesn't mean that they had their lamps on just yet, but they had the oil ready just in case. Well, and it's interesting because the, the, what we just looked at on this, this faithful and wise servant, right? Um, that the, the wicked servant, the, the master came back early. He yeah. wasn't anticipating him coming back as quickly as he did. Here, the wise virgins are the ones that, um, they were still asleep when he came, but he came later he came than late. they inspected. Yeah. So we see a story that, um, to reiterate the point that no one knows this time or hours we need to be prepared. The first story we saw was when he comes early. Now this is saying that when he comes later, when he comes later than expected. And this is kind of one of those situations where the chapter break kind of ruins that flow a little yeah. bit too. But yeah, so Jesus might come early. Jesus might come late. We got to be, be ready. Well, yeah. what's the desired outcome? Um, if the desired outcome is to be with Jesus then we need to make the proper preparations in order to be there. We, we can't, if we don't properly prep ourselves, then we can't be there. So how do I prep myself? That's a good question. Um, you know. Be fruity. Be fruity. Yeah, bear yeah. fruit, right? I mean, if we're looking at the whole of Matthew. The thing, right? So what I was going to get onto that before you okay. give me that curveball again um, was, you know, it, let's say, you know, you talked about your, your car. Um, when you go on a road trip, you pack everything that you need, right? Because there's a desired outcome that you have in making your trips. Mm -hmm. Now, if you didn't take those things, you wouldn't get what you wanted out of that. If you didn't put yeah. gas in your car, you know, and you drove, you said, oh, it's only a little ways. I wouldn't reach and the you destination. Ran out, and you ran out of gas, you know, that's, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be foolish. And, yeah. Yeah. So you have these, these some of these um, young maidens were ready. Some of them weren't. Jesus, or the, at least the groom here in, in the parable, shows up late. So they were all sleeping, so they were all caught off yeah, guard every, no matter what. Everyone was asleep. And we're all going to be caught off guard when Jesus comes again, yeah. but we could all be caught ready. But there was a cry that yeah. alerted everyone. It's yeah. similar to lightning striking across from the east to the west, like yeah. we talked about in, in chapter 24. There was a, a period of time where everyone was made aware that the bridegroom is here. Yeah. So now you have the shout, the trumpet of God, the voice of an archangel, that idea kind of, right? The bridegroom is here, and they're all coming out ready to get there to be with him. But the five that didn't have the extra oil are like, quick, give us some of your oil. We need it too. And the five that were wise enough to prepare said, no, there's not enough for both of us. Yeah, And it shows, I mean, they talk about go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. There's this need for all of us to prepare ourselves. Yeah. Prepare for the long haul, not just the short haul, mm -hmm. but prepare for that long haul because Christ is coming back. Um, it may be before I die or after I die, but what? how did I word it before we record it? Our time on this earth will end. It will end. It'll either end through death or through Christ's return. Mm -hmm. We need to be prepared for either instance and not be a surprise when it happens. But, but that's we, not fair. I mean, those indefinitely are are two things we are going to face. So. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, it, he's holding them accountable here. Yeah. You're accountable to make sure you right, are ready. your personal responsibility. Yeah, you're responsible. To make sure you're prepped. You know, I can't make sure you're, I mean, I can try, but I can't make you prepared for something. Yeah, but if, if, and if we're not prepared, that door will be shut. Yeah. And we'll yeah. be left on the outside. Right. And it's the only fault is our own when that happens. So they, they go out and they try to make the purchase. They're like, oh, we're going to go buy the oil. So they go out and they do it. But it's, it's too late. So they go out and do that, and now the door's shut while they're gone unprepared. And later, the, they come to the house or to where the feast and all that, and they say, Lord, Lord, open up for us. 
And this to me mirrors Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, we're all on the same page here. So they come to him, Lord, Lord, just like, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And what did Jesus say to them? Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Again, I mean, us going through Matthew, that stands out because that's the same terminology. Those that weren't bearing fruit, those that weren't ready, they can say, Lord, Lord, all they want, but they're not going to get to enter in if they're not ready when he comes. I mean, it's, it's not so important, maybe, I mean, and Joe, Joe Wells kind of put it this way. He said, you know, you may know who he is, but he may not know who you are. In other words, you know, you may know facts about Jesus, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't know you, that's where the problem lies. Yeah, good point. And if you go away, there's no way for him, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's always your move. And and it's 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 my singular move, yes. right? Because yeah. I think we could also extrapolate without too many issues the the fact that they were told that go buy for yourself that another's preparation cannot help you when that time comes. Sure. Yeah. You yeah. cannot rely on the preparation of someone else right. to get me into that marriage feast. I cannot rely on your the preacher, the elder, your parents, whoever isn't going to be ones to get you there. Growing up in a Christian home, in a Christian nation, whatever it is, isn't going to get you through the door. It's up to you. A very good point. Verse 13, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Now, my Bible has a paragraph break here, but verse 14 seems to be Jesus saying, now let me explain it to you a little bit deeper. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting. So we saw the, the first one is, is that um, the master comes back early, and then we see that the master was, or the bridegroom, excuse me, was delayed. And with this parable, we're going to see another story to reiterate the fact that he's going to be delayed. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, if you look at um, a lot of the Pauline epistles, right? Uh, and later on, the, the criticism is that Jesus hasn't returned yet. Where is he? If he was truly the Christ, he would have returned by now. And so it, it just shows that don't, don't be surprised when there is a delay. No, it's, he's, yeah, don't be surprised when there's a delay. And he's giving you time to prepare. Yeah. And I think that's a big part, too. We always say, well, Jesus forgot about us. Or no, he's compassionate enough to give you a chance to still get your life yeah, right. What, is, what does uh, Peter say? That, that um, God is patient, not mm-hmm. wanting anyone to perish. Yeah. to perish? Yeah. That's why he's taking his time, right? Yeah. That's a gracious act of mercy, giving us time to get ready. Um, so he says, for just like the man about to go on a journey, verse 14 of Matthew 25, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. He gave one five talents to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. So he gave them different amounts of money. Um, and then verse 16, immediately one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of the master. And then he says the same thing here for the next one. He says, The one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. And I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's stop here for a second. So the first two servants, they were each given different amounts of money according to their ability, it says. 
And each one used that money in a wise way and profited with it, you know, made money with it, and the master was pleased. What do we think about this? I got, I got a footnote here that says that a, that a talent was worth about 15 years' wages from a laborer. So to put that in perspective, that's a lot of money, right? Or yeah. A lot of, I mean, yeah, you, so. you know, some of these were getting a lot of mm-hmm. money to handle. Gave it to slaves, uh, too, by the way. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's what, so in that word, we looked at all the way back to chapter 6, the apodidomi word, the giver, the unwarranted mm-hmm. gift. Um, we see that is what was given here. But the, the thing that, I mean, I've been, been hitting um, is the importance of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're going to see that word pop up here at the end of chapter 25. We don't see it here, but we see some hints of it. The ones that immediately did something with the gifts that they were given were the ones that were rewarded. The one that that sat on the gift, sat on what had been given, is the one that the one gets in trouble. We'll talk about we'll that. Well, let's talk about this first idea, though, too. I, I like this thought that, you know, he gave each one here some different amounts according to their own stance or their own ability and all of that. I, I think maybe I'm reading into it more, but God gives each person a, a different measure of something, of some way, you know what I mean? Whether it be a, a gift, uh, an ability... Uh, a blessing that you have, um, even money. You know, you we're all given a certain amount, amounts of it, but we're all held to the standard of use that to my glory. If you increase that, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, it's like Paul uses the illustration uh, of a body, right? Yeah. We, we as a church are a body, and we can't all be the, the eyes or the mouth um, or, or the tongue. Someone has to be a pinky. Someone has to be a little toe. Someone has to be the circulatory system and the backbone. I mean, there's there's all these different parts, and if we all attempt to fill the same role, we're not going to function no, as a body. we're not. But all are expected to fulfill the role that God has placed them in. Yeah, I mean, we to continue on with that body analogy, if you know if one little bit of your body's not working right. I got an elbow that, that's really sore. If I bump it a little bit, I get a stinger down, and I can't feel my hand anymore. Um, and that has how, a big. How did that happen? I think it was jujitsu, <laughs> uh, but but it hasn't gone away for like two years. Um, but it's still one of those things. Just the smallest little bump on the elbow reminds me yeah, reminds of how you. critical it is. It is. It's important. We're expected to do something with what we're given. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times you know, we, and it's not that you know. Again, it's reiterating the point of of preparation and preparedness, but this idea that God gives you what you need to get to the place. You need to go. You make the choice whether or not you use it for his glory or you don't. And this would also be like you're saying, this would be tied into even the idea of being prepared and ready. Yeah. So the the virgins all had lamps, but some of them didn't have enough oil because they weren't right. prepared. So all of us had certain amounts yeah. of talents that were given to us. Right. Are we going to use them? If we use them, we're prepared. So when the master comes back, he goes, well done. And I love it. He well, says, I put you in charge of a little bit. I'm going to give you more. We're prepared, but preparation doesn't mean anything if we don't do anything. You know, we, we can be we can be prepared for something, but whether or not you choose to use that thing you've prepared is up to you. Well, I'm gonna say you're not prepared then. Well, if you're, okay, then maybe not. yeah, God yeah. has given us the ability to bear fruit, but if we're not bearing that fruit, we're not prepared. Sure. So God gave us the talents, He gave us the money, He gave us the means, whatever it is. We can be holy and godly by the sense of i don't sin i'm a nice person all that but if i'm not living for god and increasing his kingdom 
Yeah. You know, sure. it, it, the master's not going to be pleased with me. Right. He doesn't just, a good, a servant here is not one that just does the minimal. Yeah. He right. want, we want to go above, above and beyond, beyond and that's right. what's expected here. Well, and I think it's also important to note that the person with 10 talent or five talents, excuse me, was told the same thing as a person with mm-hmm. two talents. Yeah. And oftentimes, I know myself, I'm guilty of it. We look at the, I mean, the talent here is, is money. It's not necessarily gifts. Yeah. Right? Um, but we look at what others can do or what others have the ability to do and strive to do the same thing that they're doing. Or, or we measure ourselves against what others do as opposed to what I used to do. I, I know that, that that's a, a, a thought in leadership and, and self-development mm-hmm. is don't focus or don't compare yourself to what someone else is today. Yeah. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday yeah. um, on this growth. And so I, I think that it's important for us to realize that while some have five talents, I may have two talents, but it's still, uh, I am still urged and I would argue commanded or shown the importance to use those two talents um, to attempt to turn them into four. I, we could say too that God has not left us unprepared. Yeah, no, he equipped you know, us to he do. He equipped us to yeah. do what we need to do. And, and we, I'm, cho- we choose, it's a choice. Yeah. It's just like the, 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 the ten virgins. They had a choice to make. They Some of them chose to get more oil and go on this journey. Others chose not to do that and then to rely on somebody else's preparation. It's the same thing with this here. They Some chose to multiply what they had been given. Others, and one chose not to do that. It was, again, even though the masses had chosen one thing, others chose another come down to and personal choice. accountability and yeah. God holds them all accountable to some sure. little bit difference here, you know, based upon the amount of, that was given yeah. to him. I might not be able to give as much as Warren Buffett, but I can give more than I gave you last week. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Well, then we have one more left. Verse 24, the one who had received one talent, you know, it's still money, but not as much. One talent came up and said, master, I know that you'd be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Well, now we have a timid person. We have a person who'd rather not go out there and risk anything. We have a person who doesn't use what has been gifted to them. Instead, keeps it hidden away. Um, Just to interject, Wes McAdams, um, in his book, Beyond the Verse, points out the contrast on the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of the earth. Uh, and here we see that word earth um, mentioned in the ground. It's a, that Greek word earth. And yeah. so what did this person with one talent do? He hid it in the earth. In other words, I, I think it, it's fair to, to interpret it as he was focused on what it could do in the earth and not necessarily what it could do in the kingdom. Um, it, I might just be shooting and no, but I, I think wall. I think um, you're right here. And, and it's a good assessment. You know, I he's mean, he's not thinking beyond the moment right then. Yeah. Um, we do this somebody, and I'm I'm encouraged by this. Um, uh, one of our meetings a, a couple weeks ago, we're talking about the church building here, and how we can use this facility to better the community, and how to reach people, and how to um, be a source of encouragement to even non Christians and things like that, which. Okay, let's, let's take this facility. We have this blessing. If all we do is keep it clean and don't use it for the betterment of the Lord's kingdom, we're like the one-talent man. Ooh. If God's given me an ability to know God's word, 
and I don't share it with someone else, I'm the one talent man. If God's blessed us with a lot of money and we're only using it to increase our own wealth or to just keep it to ourselves, we're that one talent man. He wants us to go out there and do the difficult work, step out on a limb and do good things for him. The master here says to him, you wicked, lazy slave. So not just a dude, you messed up. It's you're wicked and you're lazy. Did nothing with it. You did nothing with it. I think a lot of us as Christians can be found. Well, I went to church every week. I I Ooh. never I never lied, cheated, or stealed. I didn't cuss, and I always made sure I only watched PG thirteen or below movies on TV. Therefore, I am a good person. God's going to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." But a lot of times, we're like that one talent man. He goes, "Lazy and wicked." That's Pardon scary. Me, I never yeah, knew. I never knew you because, like we've been saying through all this, bear fruit, bear fruit. And if you're not doing stuff for Him, you will be held accountable for it. It's not just about not doing certain sins. And, and I think that, that that fruit motif goes all the way through Matthew. Because yeah. look at what he says. He says, yeah, you wick, wicked and slothful servant. But then what's the next sentence? You knew that I reap yep. where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no fruit seed. Fruit terminology, harvest fruit terminology. terminology. And then we're yeah. going to see at the end of chapter 25, which we're not going to get to tonight. But there's more terminology on, on fruit and the, the need to be fruity. Yeah. So the master's upset. The master says, you wicked slave, you know that I, I'm someone who, who gains from all these situations. That if you were thinking, verse 27, then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival would have had my money back with interest, which I don't think he's making a, a spiritual point. I can't figure out any kind of spiritual bank we put things in. I think he's just, don't overthink certain parts of a parable. The part is this guy's so bad he wasted it all. He could have done better. And he says, therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But to the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we mentioned weeping and gnashing of teeth last chapter, right? Yeah, chapter 24, verse 51. Yeah, so, very same thing. yeah so we see this with the parable of the tares, the parable of the fishing net, the wicked servant, and here the one talent person. Unproductive weeds, bad fish, lazy servant, lazy servant. Sounds like a sermon right there, Curtis. That's four <laughs> points. I thought four. sermons. Were oh, you can have a four point one. Oh, you Maybe. can. Or a four sermon series. There we oh, go. There, there you go. go. Yeah, you can take one point. On be fruity. Be fruity. Curtis's series. Be fruity. We can pass out apples, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the text. Here. Apples one be oranges. The, I think, and again, just thinking out loud. Uh, on why this, you ought to have invested my money. Why, why is that called out? And I think it goes back to the reason why this servant buried the money. And, and if we, we look at why, when he was asked this question, verse 25, so I was afraid, afraid. and mm -hmm. I went and hid your talent. And, and so what, what I wrote down in my notes was, how often is my inactivity spurred by fear? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fear uh, 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 of rejection, fear of disapproval, fear of being asked a question that I don't have the answer to. I'm afraid, so I do nothing. I don't go knock on my neighbor's door because I'm afraid that that person's going to reject me and I'm going to have to wave at them the next time I'm out mowing, well, next time Megan's mowing the lawn. Um, <laughs> but we, we, do so, or we do so little because of fear. Yeah. And when I let fear prevent me from attempting to, to bear fruit, I'm just like this yeah. one. Fear will cripple a church. It'll destroy a Christian. I mean, all that. Well, that's kind of a, been a theme in this book, too, is fear. Yeah. That fear of, of doing something different 
and is going to destroy, you know, what God would expect of us, right? Uh, following Jesus, right, is going to destroy the Jewish system of worship. So what do I do? You know, and and uh, well, ultimately, when you're afraid, you end up doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I can relate to that. <laughs> but I mean, but but we're we're called for to to do something because right. Right in between, I'm going back to chapter 13, because uh, we see that language, um, that, that very similar language in the parable of the weeds, the parable of the net. But if we look at the two parables that are right in between those, it's the parable of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value. What happened? When, when that individual found treasure in a field, what did he do? He went and sold everything to go buy that field. And when that merchant found that, that pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had for it. Uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is so important, is so valuable to us that we need to, to remove fear, not be worried about fear, be willing to sell everything to go get it because it is that treasure. Yeah, and it motivates us. What about you, th- do you think this um, point here at the beginning of verse 29 too? To everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Even before that, take away the talent from the one. It's almost like God doesn't waste his time with the fearful. He's not going to, and this isn't a prosperity gospel thing, but God's not going to equip and enable people to do his will in the world that aren't going to do it. He's not going to waste his time with the fearful people. And then, I mean, just look at how often that uh, a little win, a little win in one small aspect of your life um, gives you confidence to go out Mm -hmm. and do something else. It pushes you. We would say that courage is the opposite of fear. Mm -hmm. But courage doesn't come... Courage comes from confidence. Confidence comes from trust. If you trust God to raise you from the dead, you're going to have confidence. There's not going to be a fear of, oh, you know, well, God's just going to leave me hanging. You know, or, or, you know, God's not going to get me what I need. You know, yeah. it's kind of what he talked about at the end of chapter at the end of chapter six, where we're worrying about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, what they're going to, you know, what they're going to uh, do for money. And, not trusting that God is going to take care of those things if they put all of themselves into the kingdom of God, which winds up bringing us back to chapter 22 and verse 37, where he says, what is the most important commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we trust God, we have confidence. If we have confidence, confidence, we have courage. No fear. And we don't have any fear. Yeah. And, And when you have confidence, more confidence will be given. Yeah. And it's so cool because... This is called like the Matthew principle uh, in the terms of like economics or psychology or even sociology. It, it's referred to as the Matthew <laughs> principle. And, and as one's confidence grows, uh, it just it just builds. Jordan Peterson hits on this uh, a lot. And, and, but it's referred to as the Matthew principle. And so it just shows the truth of, uh, of God's word yeah. has far-reaching applications. Right. Well, when you, I mean, when you rely on other things too, I mean, you, you got to... I'll go back to the chapter, the end of chapter seven, where he talks about the two foundations. What do you trust more? You trust sand, you trust rock. You know, what is it that you, what is it that you know you can trust? What is it that you know you have to have a fear about you? Well, you know, the beach might be a nice place to build a house, but it's not very practical. You know, you build it just up on the hill a little bit. You might have more of a shot of keeping that house. So, so the idea of trust is, again, it's a big theme in, in this book, but you know, we should trust what God has given us is going to get us the desired, the result that we desire. And we may not 
be able to bring back five talents. Yeah. But we might just be able to get a little bring bit of interest something. off of the one but talent we can, that we have. We can say we did it. Yeah. Well, then let's, let's bring these two parables together as we close in tonight. All of them fell into this idea of be prepared. First, you have you need to be, be prepared by having your lamps and your oil because you do not know when the bridegroom's going to come. He could come late like he did in this, mm-hmm. this situation or in the parable before he, you know, he came early. Then in the parable of the talents, the idea is you need to be prepared by working yeah. while the master is away because you don't know when he's going to come back and don't allow your fear to paralyze you into not doing anything for him. Instead, work for him, live for him, because when he comes back, we will be judged on whether or not we were working for him adequately. And I, I think that all this reiterates the point, especially as we, we look at, at how he segues into verse 31, which we'll get to next week. Um, but it reiterates that point on, on what we need to be focused on. And that fo- we need to be focusing on being prepared. Yeah. And it goes back to what he said in chapter 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, and that's what we need to be focused on, is enduring to the end. And in order for us to endure to the end, we need to have extra oil for our lamps. Very good. Very true. Cool. Did you have another comment no, before no, we close no, out that? I was just agreeing. All right. Nick <laughs> agrees we're good. Well, hopefully you agree too at home. And um, if there's one point to get from this tonight is we don't know when Jesus is going to return, but we do know he will one day. And we need to be prepared for that by living for him, bearing fruit for him, you know, loving God and loving others. If there's any way we can help you do that, definitely hit us up. This isn't just uh, about me, Curtis, and Nick getting up here and talking. We want people to learn God's Word and live it out. There's a way we can help you do that. Uh, please let us know. Uh, remember the Zoom class on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I enjoy the participation there. Um, and just keep sharing these links and um, spreading the Word. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good evening. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless.